0: almost.
1: So I just decided not to, how, are you serious right now?
0: (laughs) And we are live (laughs) with AAA Live. I'm your host today, Dylan Camacho. Today with me as always is Nat, but also with us is Alex Mack and and her wonderful hair tips. She's on the show today. (laughs) Uh,
1: Alex, glad to have you back on the show. Man, I'm super psyched to be here. It, this is—I feel like, not even kidding. This is like the most exclusive show to get on. It's no, really. the Most difficult <laughs> <laughs> to get on. <laughs> out of like Schmo chill Chill, um, Call Live. It is very difficult to get on A.
0: Some so. people think that it's too like it's too much drama and trouble, and that's why we don't get people on the show. No, we just don't allow people on the show. Like that's
1: true. I can confirm this. Check out I our list of Just come on, and mm-hmm. they're like, no.
2: That bitch. Yeah, this is VIP territory. We're definitely losing our restrictions because, like, before you had to be an agent, and we're just like, now we're just like letting anyone on.
0: Yeah, we put Snyder on, and I'm so glad we did because it was, I think we heated him up for that IG rant that he eventually went on because he was already kind of on that by the time he was talking on our show. And then he just went full in on backstage the next week.
1: Oh, yeah. You just had to get him warmed up, right?
0: Yeah, if you want to see that warm up episode, go check out on our channel. It's less time we did a triple a episode episode whatever um Jeff Snyder's on that one and he he has some thoughts on intergeekdom. go check it out he's they're pretty similar to his backstage ones spoiler danny mm-hmm. uh that's true i want you for the next five years danny you're you're on that list buddy you dan merle i mean a lot of people are on this list we'll get him on eventually
2: would you imagine we get Merle on after we fucking dissected him and
1: everything
0: after the dan merle episode oh boy um i think that'd be super spicy whatever i got nothing but respect for dan merrill i'd love to have him on but
1: yeah, too.
0: but he's on the list sorry dan um so anyway on today's show we are going to be breaking down Brendan meyer in a full-on super geeky triple a analysis as always um we're going to talk to fave with stacy howard and we are also bringing back perception versus reality to start the show off and we're going to be talking about some trades that happened recently before that happens Nat, what does AAA Live stand for?
2: Oh, AAA stands for Amish Accounting Academy. <laughs>
0: <Cool>. <laughs> if you want all of your numbers crunched by people who don't use electronics, you come here to AAA Live and make sure that you have all that stuff locked down pat. They are the cheapest by far and they will get you the best price on any farm, labor, or land in the West Coast. Anyway, that's our plug for Amish Accounting Academy. Uh, let's get into. I'm an impressive podcast host to pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> Humble brag. Um, let's let's get into perception versus reality. So, Nat, you want to explain this concept of a show? We haven't done this segment in a minute.
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. So, basically, perception versus reality is where we take what we consider to be the general consensus on something, and we we try to like pick it apart and try to like give our perspective on it and. Talk talks about how it is or is not reality. Mm-hmm.
0: So a big a big perception is going around right now is after I think the biggest trade that happened more recently was the Ethan Irwin trade. Um, oh boy. Yeah, and that's that's a spicy one. People seem people pretty sure that anything trading Ethan Irwin is a, a pretty poor trade. But let's let's break it down. What do you think, Alex? Yeah. I'm gonna pass it to you. So Ethan Irwin trade total bonehead move by robert my Burnett or not uh,
1: okay so when it comes to this trade we got to get the whole picture mm-hmm. um so obviously it's not just robert Meyer Burnett. he's not just being like hey you want ethan one of my star players wanna give it up for free what's up <laughs> you get a competitor you get a competitor." <laughs> um so he traded them for rook- for rookies um uh jader uh paramo and uh, i can't remember who else that was, i'm sorry and ken Natsar. okay okay so he, he's not a competitor obviously um but it was actually kind of smart on his part because he didn't have a star wars competitor on in his faction at the time so that was pretty smart unless someone magically wanted to take up star wars in like a day <laughs> or a few weeks which feels like a day as far as training goes um, I mean? so he gave up his star competitor to the usual suspects now i i but also uh he first round pick as well first round pick as well so he's planning for the future so i first definitely do so uh, very heavy risk for sure but yeah. also on top of that i do think it was honestly i do feel like it was a smart uh play on uh rob's part to be completely honest i love ethan irwin he is 100 you know one of the Like the top five competitors in the game right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he's just, uh, you know, Rob's just feeling a little, I don't want to say greedy, but he's feeling a little extra confident, especially given his standings, his faction standings right now. And there's like, at the time, there's, he didn't have anyone in the, he can't really go much higher essentially without several people in. in the singles as well as Star Wars. Like so he was in those competitors.
0: Right. Nat, what about you, man? I don't know. If you're telling me you're trading Ethan Irwin for anything less than another top ten competitor, I'm likely to say you're crazy for it. Talk me off the ledge.
2: So here's the thing. Coming into this, I was set on Robert Meyer Burnett winning the trade. But then you you started telling me about these rule changes and everything about how players uh, managers can keep like four players on their team? They can sign up to four players on their team?
0: Yeah, yeah. So in recent news, so if you haven't caught Sen's episode today, uh, Harloff had announced during the Sen episode that some changes to the upcoming draft for the following year. And this is not super set in stone just yet. This is him spitballing it, but he seems pretty sure of it. So this could totally fluctuate in the time being. But the news that he dropped and the idea he's kind of pitching is that each manager gets to keep four players. They get to sign four players. They can be from the current roster, could be from other rosters, what have you. The player has to agree to it. It's a two-way contract, right? So let's say Gucci wants to keep Merle, Roka, Ben, and Riley. He can sign all four, lock those four down, and then it's all draft for the rest of the stuff. Everybody is open from then on. Um, If you haven't caught send, no big deal. That's pretty much the gist of it. So that also means that if a player wants to be able to switch factions, let's say Dan Merle says he wants to not work with Gucci anymore, he could talk. He could talk with other managers and he could be one of these four signed agents that that manager uses. So, why I think that this kind of makes or breaks the the first big two draft trades and the round one picks for Ethan Irwin is because it feels as though there's like 30 something players off the table at this point now for the mm-hmm. draft. If you think about it, there's eight or nine Fact, I forget how many factions there are. There's
2: nine factions. So, okay. each team, they got four and that would be. 36. 36.
0: So 36 players are off the table immediately before the draft even starts. Now, that's not to say that those first-round picks aren't still super strong. They are. Um, having two of those is still good, but it's definitely not as good as it was before. Before, you had two top 10 competitors right off the bat, guaranteed to you with this. Now, you're talking strong rookies, thirty-six and ranked down and below. That's a much different trade to me. Um, and I don't know, throwing away Ethan Irwin, who we, we can't praise enough on this show. We love him here on, that, on AAA. <laughs> um, you know, Ethan is, is just a, mush, is a monster of a competitor. And if you told me, all right, is Ethan worth to a 36th and 37th ranked player? Yes, easily. Um, that's kind of where I'm at now. Now, before that news, I actually was on Rob Myburnett's side. You know, I mean, if we're looking at this season right now, not only is he getting a lock in um, the Star Wars division, you know we've still yet to see how um, the singles division will work. With tournaments coming up and Irwin just short of a title shot, I think he he still needs to play Roca to figure out who's number one contender there. Um, you know a lot of this season is left to be in limbo because of quarantine. So maybe planning ahead for that next season is pretty smart. Having two round one picks is sweet. But I don't know, man. 36, 37, 38 players. If you give me four or five of those players, I don't know if I'd give them up for Ethan Irwin
2: now. Yeah, let me give you my thoughts Like before I had this new information. Like I definitely think that my Rennett won this trade because, one, you're getting a decent player in Jader. Number two, you're getting a, a very strong Star Wars competitor in Ken who has a really good chance of winning the tournament. And three, you're getting two first-round picks in, in 2020, 21 so like that that is huge that's a leg up on every other fashion in the league so i i think it would it was definitely worth it to trade one player no matter how good he is like we know how good ethan erwin is but he is prone to mistakes he has lost in the past so he might not rack up as many wins as you would expect Mm -hmm. whereas whereas i think um jader and ken have their jader's kind of new like he's he's going to be given easier opponents whereas Ethan was a, a top two defender, so he's only going to be facing elite competition. Right. So I, I think, in thinking about it that way, then Barber that definitely won that trade, but like this whole, this new information definitely weakens the first round pick for me. I don't think he won, but I mean, I think it's not as strong as it was before.
0: Right. Alex, we've been doing a lot of fantasy traits and stuff recently in our, in our one of, I'm sure probably many of our fantasy roster traits, uh, our fantasy. So I don't know if you're in this position, here's what, here's what I'm going to ask you. And then we'll start to wrap up this perception versus reality. You're in the position of Robert my is you have Ethan Irwin drafted and you say, all right, we're going to run this fantasy league back next year. And I'm going to trade him up. Do you make this trade?
1: Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, again, I, I would want the full picture, mm-hmm. um, it really just depends on the circumstances uh in 95 percent of the cases if of offers you know i'm likely to say no but you never know it, it i would have to look at my complete faction and what what leagues are playing at the very beginning who knows maybe teams and singles aren't going to play for like six seven months you know what <laughs> i mean if we, we don't know sometimes maybe the first few tournaments are going to be specific to id and star wars at least that he is not gonna be competing it at all so he's just gonna be a sitting duck you know i would hate for um you know i would hate for my competitors to kind of feel like uh they're not getting the attention they deserve or that they're not getting uh, they feel like their skills are gonna go to waste because they're just waiting for things to happen now let's just say uh you know obviously it's just a matter of time until they play so why would you trade him anyway you know i totally understand that but same time you know how much confidence do i have in them and their abilities uh, to not only play as, as an individual which i in ethan's case 100 percent, i do have every confidence i am still very curious about ethan's ability to play with another team because we haven't really seen them play really great with a team yet it's true when he played with Janine, they were good. They weren't great, so reason yeah. I mean, why like they're not together anymore. So far, <laughs> you know. um,
0: Thanks for that to come back. Uh, and I, I'm there with you, though. I mean, as much as Ethan seems like a person you can just slide into any of like singles or teams categories or anything like that, I, I think it does say something that he's still uh, something about teams. I don't think he's found his full potential with a partner. With. Uh, him and Janine, I think, were a lot more capable of, than what they actually performed with as a time machine. And that's, like, that's saying both of them, and their stats back that 100 times to one. Um, so I think even seeing uh, the possibility of kind of just seeing how the rest of the season goes, uh, how the matches play out and all that, you know, Rob Mybronette may pull out ahead, he may not. That's, that's a time-will-tell thing. Normally we have some stats to kind of back it, but I think this way, if you look at it this way, Mm, it comes down to one match. If Ethan doesn't win his match against Roka, then, I mean, he might not see a singles match for a long time. I don't know if there's going to be a singles tournament until later in the year, if that's streamed, what have you, but it'll be interesting. Meanwhile, if you have Ken, if Ken is more than likely when, to win his one match in Star Wars and be able to get more points than Erwin could get in his one match with against Roka. So I think every little match counts. at this point, we're squeezing the dead orange, what it feels like with this season, we're trying to get any drip feed of matches we can. and <laughs> uh in quarantine yeah. time so you know maybe Robert my brunette's on something but he's having fun either way um yeah alex i just saw your chat on that one i know if you need to pop off no worries We yeah, just like- say,
1: i yeah i'm so sorry about like i didn't realize this was going to happen like something happened like very surprised that uh i am going to hop off in a few minutes but that being said i still have a few minutes so awesome
0: awesome Yes, um,
1: just, like, just like five
0: more minutes, so. Yeah, no no problem, no problem. We are all super busy hosts here on Trip- well, not only A Live, but here at the Call to Action Podcast channel. We're always on doing something and Make talking to somebody and part of something. So um, let's go ahead and just go and breach into the next category, and then we'll maybe get some quick thoughts from Alex on this one. Yeah. So the next section of this episode today is going to be How's My K-Fape? And today we're talking about Stacey Howard. Heal! Ooh.
1: Today's a heel
0: oh boy let's get the spicy redheads on this one uh Alex we'll start with you so Stacy Howard do you do you love this the sassy one do you or are you not a fan where are you laying yeah, I
1: love Stacy she's wonderful she does not get enough credit she is fantastic um, she has a really really solid record and not enough uh, I, I, I don't like to think say that she's uh, I think that she's not underestimated, but she's definitely undervalued. As far as like really great competitors that have been around for a long time, she's never really in that conversation and I really don't appreciate that. Um, you know, cause she deserves to be in there cause she has pulled out some serious hits and she, every time she competes, she gives a great match. And not to mention, she's one of the few competitors that her characters have stayed the same and she's played it flawlessly. I love her. Sure.
0: Yeah, I, that, and that's something me and Matt were kind of talking about recently after this whole zipper match, which, spoilers on that, Stacy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know how to call that match. But, um, yeah, after the Stacy match, I, I there was one thing where I've noticed where she's cons- consistently been the same sassy heel character, but she's done so much to still evolve it. You know, she's done enough to stay not one note. She still has her sass. She still plays that, you know, that queen heel, so to speak. Um Queen heel sounds almost like Shannon thing. I don't know. Maybe like whatever. She's got this royal entitlement next to her. You're so lucky to be able to play against Stacy Howard. You
2: and, should, yeah, absolutely.
0: Right, and you're absolutely right. She is just this random stone cold killer in matches. Like
1: the way she is able to really puzzle piece the answers, and I I, I do understand like both Kaiser and Roxy, they were fantastic managers. You know, when it comes to this match. Um, you know, and I am kind of curious uh, how you are going to look back at this match. You know, because she's destroyed Riley. She's destroyed Mark Ellis, two prior singles champions, and people still don't really talk about her. How she's a great competitor. She'd and be different the, different said, the next. I said she's, yeah, Dan Merle, how she's lucky, how she's able to like pull out these answers out of nowhere, out of thin air. And the answer is she's not pulling out of thin air. Just like Roxy said, I 100% believe it. She is able to puzzle Pete very efficiently, uh, very well. And- I don't know how the fuck she does it, but it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Hopkins—where did that come from? <laughs> I, like, in my in my reaction, I guess Jeffrey Rush because I was like, I don't know.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> weird, horrible movies before. Even
0: hearing her, even her hearing her break it down behind the scenes, right? She was just like, "Yeah, I was thinking, all right, somebody probably Oscars some old white dude um, oh, a good voice. Yeah, somebody has a good voice, and you know, breaking yeah. up these ones, like." I don't know, man. There's I, I love that there's still she manages to still be one of those genuine characters, right? One of these Dan Merle Bibiani people who tend to be relatively themselves while still being able to play the character as needed. Like Stacey, I think my favorite part about her as the heel is that she is not she's not perfect and she knows that. Yes, but she totally just leaps into the imperfectness that she is like when she doesn't get a or when she gets a question right and she totally doesn't know it, she doesn't even try to play it. She's just like, Oh my God.
1: <laughs> it feels so genuine and real. Honestly, she is right. like, not to right. say everyone else doesn't have a like a genuine reaction, but right. she's just one of those competitors. You feel everything she's feeling, but similar to zipper it, going into that match in particular, I know we're talking about Stacy, but I wanted both of them to win, and I wanted neither neither of them to lose because the look on Zipper's face, where he's like, like, he, you could tell he knew it, but he didn't know it. At the same time, Where you know he's, he, he, and I remember messaging him right after, and I was like, oh, my gosh, that was amazing and everything, and he was, like, saying, yeah, I'm still kind of beating myself up about it because I knew it. <laughs> it was yeah. right there. It sucks. Yeah, Zip like,
2: man. Like, what like, was that? Like, oh boy. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Go ahead, I don't buddy. Remember, but I definitely was rooting for Stacy because okay. your boy had her in fantasy. Your boy's in <laughs> first place. Stacy. Hey, Stacy's
1: in my. It's in one of my fantasy leagues as well. So. How
2: many fantasy leagues are
0: you in, Alex?
1: I'm in three.
0: I knew it. I was gonna say <laughs> three, and that's that Stacy Howard instinct. I just knew without having any. Yeah.
1: what's really interesting about
0: Stacy though is I think that some of that genuineness a part of is actually really effective in her heel play though because you said something earlier where you know everybody feels what Stacy feels in that room like and I think that does actually a lot to keep people tense and kind of wound up and whenever she doesn't know a question like it's not the Ben Bateman guessing game with her like you're generally like on your edge of your seat like oh my god i hope she doesn't know this question and like but, i think that shows so much yeah if you need to bounce
1: girl, nah. like taking a guess or something is it what <laughs> Where he's kind of pulling that little moment or something like that and with stacy it, it's real though yeah. um so but again i am kind of curious how we're going to look back at this match um especially also, by extension, why was Zipper able to play her, considering her record? I don't know.
0: I think they've kind of had this slowly building rivalry at this point, and I think as singles competitors, they're of similar tiers. Their records don't line up, but he's yes. in singles. He's still up and coming, and she's one of these vet players who's so middle yeah. lane, so they usually tend to build those.
1: Yeah. At the same time, he's not. He's a. He's a. He played last to see last season, he only played one match that he won. So he said right. he was 1-0. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, he played in teams and he was in IG. So uh, I'm kind of really, it just doesn't line up. It's kind of an unusual pick. Sounds like but. conspiracy going on here. Hmm. This is on the story. That, conspiracy talk, on that note, I should probably head out. All
0: right, yeah. thanks for joining all us right. for the time, Alex. Yeah. Thank
1: you, Thank you so much. I'm so sorry I had to cut this short. I love you guys. I'll
0: talk you guys
2: later. Love you. See you soon. Yeah. Okay. So I, love- I have a lot to say about Stacy Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Go hand, buddy. Um, I think it's really good that she's a heel, but like there's like a, the most common type of heel to me is the heels who you love to hate. And I don't think Stacy is that I think Stacey is a heel you can root for in that she lives up to her nickname, her moniker sassy. Like you love to see her. She just has so much charisma that it just pops on screen. And I think she would actually work as a babyface too, because she'd be the, the lucky underdog, but mm-hmm. she's not, she's a, she's a heel. She likes to just trash talk and she's has some, some of the best one-liners I've ever heard on this one out. And yeah, I mean, how could you not like Stacey Howard? Like every year I, I want to draft her in fantasy. I think I've drafted her three years in a row, maybe. Because mm-hmm. I do think she's super underrated, under, under undervalued as, as Alex said. Um, yeah I mean she's taken out some of the some of the biggest names in the snowdown, and I think that's a crit to to her and her how I think being the underdog and pulling out those miraculous wins is a huge part of her character, and that oh, yeah. makes her like one of the most fascinating people to watch
0: yeah meg's made a really interesting or a really strong point as well Stacy is hard to bet against, but also totally unpredictable and yeah man Stacy is the what like if you have all the showdowns on, on a betting board, right? If there's, like, a Greyhound race of Schmodown competitors, she's probably ranked one in the wildcardest most random odds one that you give possible because the odds seem to be set against her in most of her matches. But the fact that she's capable of taking out anybody of any caliber on any given day, like, that, she has that top ten quality to her, right? Like, on any given Sunday, she could win. Doesn't matter who she's against. Definitely. Um. And still, but the consistency says a lot for her to, you know, on her ranking and placement with everything. But that all said, I, I completely agree with you. She is definitely one of these competitors who, if they turned her face, um, it would be an easy turn for her because it's she's a, such a likable character. She's one of these heels that you don't want to, you don't want to hate, and you don't love to hate her. But you do love the sass that she puts out there and lets it just still stay in character and stay genuine to herself. And I, I think this has to be something really natural to her as a person as I mean, I, yeah. If you've seen Stacey in any of like any of her other content, obviously you know that this is not too far off from her. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. Like what she's done with the character is taken just far enough to sit here and play heel, but be this like desperate damsel in a match. And then you feel tense because they you don't know if she's going to win them, like get this question or not. And it's just, Oh, it's always just very interesting. I remember thinking like Stacey has some of the most interesting matches of all this history. I think.
2: Yeah. Brian says in the chat, she's undefeated against marks in the tournament. Like,
0: <laughs> like is that is
2: crazy feet to beat Mark Ellis and Mark Riley. Yep. It's it's insane.
0: She is the bracket buster queen, she is the Mark Slayer, she is Stacy Howard, the sassy one.
2: For the record, I had her winning both those matches, so I'm like no shrinamas in this bitch.
0: Man, after after the baby carrots one, I'm telling you, I wanted to put it down. And that is the only match that cost me a perfect bracket that year. Like
2: I, I love bracket busters because somehow I usually get them right. Like I had late-to-the-party beating was a steal too. I, something about those underdogs who have the potential to, to win any given match, mm-hmm. like those are the people I, I like to root for.
0: It's kind of hard not to love that underdog here. And it's so funny calling Stacey an underdog being a veteran for as as, as much of a veteran as she is, but yes. she does. She somehow holds on to this underdog aura to her and i think that makes her so charming as a player to watch just because you really don't know if you're going to get this and don't forget the wheel breaker you're absolutely right mike she <laughs> she breaks brackets wheels everything about the slowdown stacy is the x in this algebra equation if you get that triple a live exclusive reference here
2: yeah, we're definitely Asian.
0: oh yeah definitely amish here you can tell because we our hair is getting crazier and wilder as time goes on yeah amish academy, <laughs> academy um any closing thoughts for stacy and her honestly awesome kayfabe work
2: i mean what more can you say i just love because we don't see a lot of heel underdogs and that's exactly what stacy is and she fits into that mode like better than anyone can possibly fit into that mode yeah so i think she's she's one she's definitely one of my favorite characters like early on in the league i so Story about me, I found a snowdown through Kind of Funny. So, like, I didn't know a lot of people before coming in, but I knew Brian and Chandler because she's been on Kind of Funny. Right. So, automatically, her and her and Stacey became one of my favorite teams from the start. So, I've, I've been locked in on Stacey Powell from the start, and she's only gotten better. She's only, like, gotten more comfortable in the snowdown. So, I mean, you'll have to see it.
0: Oh, yeah. Um Yeah, I mean, closing on Stacey, I think that – you nail it just right. There's Whitney as another heel underdog. Yeah, good point. Yeah, I'd give you that. Um, one of these people who it's just interesting to see that dynamic. And I think that she is definitely one of these rare uh, personalities in, in the kayfabe scene for a that lets it continue to grow, continue to be breaking just champ heels, champ faces facing off all the time. And then you just have the rookies trying to figure themselves out. I love these ones who are just in their own little specific niche. And I think that's why we had to give this moment to make sure that Stacey Howard knows that that character work is recognized and that she's a shining star in there, not to be mixed up with Rachel Silverstreeting. screening. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess without further ado, we're just about done with the show. Oh, wait, we've got to talk about Brendan Meyer. Uh, tell them about Competitor's Corner, Nat. What's so,
2: the competitor's Corner is where we break down a competitors' strengths and weaknesses, and we basically create a guidebook on how to beat them.
0: Mm-hmm. And today we are talking about Brandon, 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 Brandon the kid Meyer. Um, fun story before we get into this. Actually, <laughs> Brandon Meyer and Chandru, I'm gonna nail both of them on this one, are actually about 95 of the reason why this show exists.
2: Yeah, I was so- just gonna say it wasn't like Brandon Meyer the one who like. Told you, like, he watches our content to, like, figure out how to beat people?
0: Yeah, yeah. Back in um, back in Spectacular, uh, you know, we're, we're cutting up, hanging out with a bunch of competitors and everything like that, you know, as celebrities do. And uh, he, he had mentioned, he was just like, yeah, I really love you guys' show and content. I actually use it to, you know, help study. And I'm like, what? I'm like, you watch our stuff to study? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't know what he's studying, but all right, Brandon. I mean, I trust you, buddy. You're, you're an honest fellow. I'll take your word for it. And I let that, that idea sit on me for a minute and I was just like, what if we just made a show that just is straight up a study guide for other competitors? And I'm like, Brendan are you genius. Chandru has also mentioned that point separately in a different time as well. He agreed to Chan- Brandon saying, yeah, hundred percent. Like your guys, stuff is actually really good. You're covering up to date stuff, but the little nooks and crannies that constant updates, it always kind of helps us study. Um, that's very much paraphrased. Chandru can quote me on that later, but yeah, so they both kind of un unintentionally inspired triple a live to make it what it is. So Brandon, Honorary AAA Live. Um, it's proprietor, founder, co-founder, whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Let's get into this breakdown, though. Sorry, Brandon, we're gonna break you down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's pull up stats from the one and the only wonderful Megan McCurley, also already in chat.
2: Shout out to Megs.
0: Shout out to Megs, as always. Let's break down Brandon Meyer. So singles record from mm, this past year. We're looking at a two and three record. Uh, two technical knockouts. Round 1 average of 6.2. Perfect rounds, 1 out of 5. Uh, round 2 average after round 2, strong points on this one, 12. Uh, general averages after round 2 on that. That's pretty darn good. Um, we looking to steal accuracies. Round 2 chooses to defer. This one is the more interesting stat to me. Even though it's only out of 2 matches that he's had to go to the third round, both of those matches, he gets to 2, 3, and 5 100% of the time. Obviously, it's just him stats are a little bit better, but let's let's talk about what we take from these stats right here. Nat, what are your first impressions looking at um, his stats over the season?
2: I think it's really interesting that his round three accuracy is <laughs> perfect. For someone who <laughs> technically <laughs> has a record of two and three, mm-hmm. and, uh, sorry, here's, I think that it's it's weird that he's someone who, who's who been nailing his round, round three quite so, so accurately. I think that uh, – he obviously feels more comfortable with Bibiani competing in teams than Shazam. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that has something to do with him being relatively new and he's a fan of the league. He, I think nerves might play a factor when it comes to singles. When you have Bibiani, it's, it's a lot easier not to be nervous. So I, I definitely think that uh, his strength is in the team.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Brennan definitely suffers from two things. He's definitely still suffering from rookie syndrome, I think even now, where he just he's a solid competitor through and through, but he kind of likes that confidence piece, right? And I think that's why you start to see a drastic difference in his performance level in singles versus his team's record, where we're looking at teams in Shazam, 5-1. and one. Obviously, Bibs can contribute to some of that. But looking at just Brandon's stats separately, 7.8, I mean, he's up almost a two-point difference in round one. Uh two more perfect rounds than his singles performance and his round two uh, percentage goes up. Yeah. I mean, only like 2%, but every percent matters. He Mm -hmm. only improves as a team player under somebody that he can kind of bounce with. Right? So if he's riffing with Bibion, he has that confidence there and you can tell he's performing at a better level. Like this is, it's very much a difference between here's where he's performing and here's this potential. And I Mm -hmm. think he inches closer on that team level with that comfortable factor of having bibs to riff with. I also think that the record doesn't necessarily reflect his stats because he kind of has what I call chance Ellison syndrome. Now the problem is he's two and three sure. Um, But we all know how good Brendan Meyer is. So he's, his matches are top tier players. He's usually playing top 10 competitors now at this point. And of the top 10 competitors, I mean, his percentages is usually, he's about the 10th player, right? Out of the top 10, we'll have those stats pulled up on another slide. But he's like right at tenth, um, so it's interesting to see that he's consistently only been playing playing competitors that are statistically better than him off the bat, um, and I do think that that tends to hurt his record overall. I mean, if you think of his, some of his losses, he's lost to Dave Merle, he's lost to Ben Bateman, and he's lost to Oyama. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, what can you say about those losses other than that? Your yeah, losses against all three time. champs. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's that's kind of the quick breakdown on this. Um, choosing to defer to round two, I think that makes a lot of sense for him. I think he's something I've mentioned to you off screen. Uh, Brendan Myers is a smart player. I, I think he's one of those tactical players. He wants to be a strategist, and he wants to see how many points he can get away with by skirting on round two. If he needs to break down a multiple choice, he's one of those strategic players. He's not really a momentum player. You know, he's, all right, cool, I know how well I can do. Let me see how much I can, I can get by on if I need to miss a couple points. Um, his only losses are champs. You're absolutely right, Brian. And not only that, they were champs on their run. Uh, he lost to Oyama on Oyama's run to the belt. He lost to Ben, to Ben's run on the belt. And then he lost to Dan, who was on his run to the belt, right? It was a three-way into the match with Ben. Yeah, it was number one. So he's only lost to champs who were already either champ level or former champs on their run to the belts. Yeah, It's pretty bad luck, actually. Yeah. Like,
2: that's very bad luck. I don't think his record uh, speaks to how good he is. The problem with Brendan Meyer is that he's, he's only going to get better. You know, as, 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 uh, as he's as the World League, he's only going to get better. But the problem is his competition is going to keep being elite. So he's going to keep running into these powerhouse players.
0: Yeah, I mean, unless – he just gets a really good placement in like a singles bracket or something like that. I don't see him skirting away from playing top ten competitors at this point forward. Yeah. And while I think he's capable of beating those top ten competitors, I think that it's going to be one of those things that Brendemeyer is going to be one of these great players with just not the best record to reflect his skill. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just a matter of circumstances and stuff like that. I love calling it the chance syndrome because if you look at that IG bracket, chance just gets ugh. Oh, man. I mean, it speaks for itself. Go check out the IG bracket over on Showdown Facebook page to see how hey, you think Chance Elson will do in the IG tournament. But we're not here to talk about him. We're talking about Brendan Meyer. Let's go into some further stats here. So we, we have his matches. Let me get the full screen on this one. Um, matches. He has a team match with uh, Bibs against the Scream Queens. TKO. They have their match against the Movie Guys, which is criminally underrated. Go back and watch that match. It is probably the best match of the tournament. Nailbiter. Nail-biter. Beats the movie guys. Goes against the odd couple. Another killer match. Properly, you know, build though. Beats the odd couple. Plays the Looney bin. Crazy close match. Beats the Looney bin. Plays the family. We don't talk about it. Plays against the founding fathers. <laughs> Loses to the founding fathers on this one. So again, champs defending their stuff. And uh, most of your losses being against Dan Merle, I won't hold that against uh, Brandon Meyer on this one. No, um, when we get into the real meat and potatoes here, let's get into the, the strengths and weaknesses, right?
2: Yeah.
0: So, yeah. St- strengths, I mean, they're looking pretty solid. Strengths for a top 10 competitor, you're probably going to have 100%, 90%, so maybe a couple 80 percents on the bottom. And that checks out for him. Oscars, 100, horror, animated, drama, sci-fi, nothing below 80% accuracy. So, four out of five times, he's getting almost all these questions right. Sometimes he's getting all of them right. Um, mm mm-hmm. We look into weaknesses and this is where it really starts to break down where he ranks against other top 10 competitors i think now he's commented before saying that he's actually pretty good james bond but he just got a bad batch of questions in this match against ben i believe Um, where he got 25 percent on the james bond one that comes from pretty much just one match directors festival darlings festival darlings is a pretty hard category Having yeah, the action it. adventure and comedy, which are, I mean, naturally broad ones, so they're they're going to be tricky. Even Team Action hasn't even excelled in action adventure all the time. Um, but yeah, having fifty percent, twenty five percent, seventy three percent is about right for weakness levels. But you don't want to have too many more lower than that, and seeing a couple more categories drop below that really such to shows the crack in the armor of a top ten player, right?
2: Yeah, I would like to go back to. Earlier, when we were talking about his his stats, his round two stats, I think it's really interesting that he he gets it mostly right when he doesn't go to multiple choice. Right. So to me, that says that he what he knows he knows really well, and the things he doesn't know he just he just doesn't know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's reflected into this his strengths and weaknesses because like his strengths he's doing really good on them. He's doing he got hundred percent Oscars in horror uh but his weaknesses especially for a top 10 player are very glaring like you don't you don't often see a top 10 player get 25 percent of any category nope so yeah i I think that that speaks a lot like his strengths are strengths but his weaknesses are very glaring and if he if he's gonna keep winning going forward then he needs to patch those weaknesses up
0: yeah exactly um if he's wanting to be a top 10 competitor and competing with the top five so to speak i mean we could If you go back to our previous episodes and see any of our other episodes talking about top 10 competitors, which is almost exclusively what we cover, um, you'll see that the percentage levels are, the lowest you'll see is maybe like a 70%, maybe a 65, right? Nothing below 50. And yeah, Brendan Meyer is one of these people who, who, which is funny, like I would say he's he's really, really well-rounded. He's definitely a round one player. He excels in round one. We see that with his performances with Shazam and everything like that. But he still has some pretty big glaring weaknesses when it goes into the depth of it. So, yeah, for now, he's going to be one of those ones where if you're playing him round two, he's going to choose to defer. I-, I think that makes sense for something with his playstyle. if he knows that he has more weaknesses. Um, making sure that the opponent goes first so they maybe take a weakness off the wheel, and then he can only spend nothing but strengths,
2: yeah. I
0: think is probably the strategy play he has in mind in that. So if we're talking strategy, guys, and you're playing Brendan Meyer, and you are ahead on this one, my man Chandru in the chat coming here to distract me. I love you, buddy. Let's get your comment in here. Thanks to every honorary co-founder my Asian parents would be proud. <laughs> <laughs> Chandru, God bless your soul. I'm so glad you're here. We're talking Brendan Meyer. You just stay tuned, buddy. So, <laughs> yeah, Brendan um, is going to be probably one of these players where if you're ahead of him in round two, you want to make him go first because he does have enough glaring weaknesses where if he spins wrong, you probably just want the match off a, bad, off a bad spin with him. Now, that's true for a lot of competitors, but... His round three averages are solid enough where you probably don't want to sit here and be playing the round three game with him, right? I mean, he with the times he's played round three so far in singles, he's 100% in all three questions. Okay. So yeah, you don't want to touch him in round three. You want him to have a terrible round two and either knock him out or just outright just be far enough ahead where you can just get your two and your three called a day.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that uh, Ben Myers like one of those players who – who knows what his weaknesses are like he even if he watches our show i think he knows like where his his what his strengths are and where his weaknesses lie and yeah. i think he's he's definitely only gonna get better like i said the only problem is he's gonna keep facing elite competition so i i definitely see some some wins in the kids future i just i, I just don't think it's gonna be an easy road
0: no yeah definitely not um I think it's an uphill battle for him. And not to say that he doesn't have the talent or the potential to be winning these matches. He absolutely does.
2: Yeah. He's he's so good. He's so knowledgeable. Like, like yeah. I, I was on the episode with him on chill and he was talking about how he, beyonds, grown changes the way he watches movies where mm-hmm. he actively seeks out movies that he thinks would be asked in the show now. Like he rewatches them. So I think that he definitely has a mind for the game and he's, it doesn't surprise me that he's a strategy player. Cause he was a fan before he started playing. So Bro. I, I definitely think that he's, he's uh, more strategic than emotional player, than mm-hmm. some of the other other players that we've covered in the past.
0: Right. Yeah, and definitely if you're looking at his strengths, I think a conversation here before we kind of wrap up on talking the strengths, weaknesses side of Brandon is, you know, something I, I thought about before, Oscars, horror. Oscars is probably a passion thing with him because, you know, he is, he's an actor and, you know, he probably just enjoys the concept of that as a whole. Horror and fantasy sci-fi are and dramas are made out of things that he acts in. I mean, from what I can see on his IMDb page that we peeked at beforehand, these are things that he's generally invested in. And I don't think it has to do with just him being a Bibbs fan and being a partner with him. I think that he just truly has a passion for these genres. So I think yeah. if you get stuck with um, him rolling a strength, sure, I think that if it's a strength, it's strength. But you really do not want to land on having him get horror or Oscars or something like that, that are passion-proof, like fat ones of his. You know, these are ones that I think that he for sure is going to be coming back into and always want to get on it. Uh, I might want to double-check on Bryn's round three stats. Um, Masin TD against round three against Video Drew. Yes, we noted that before uh, Chandrew, there. So a big thing with that is that we look at the past 365 days. So uh, beginning of January last year to that one. Um, I'm not sure if that match falls in with him in Video Drew, but we'll double-check on that just to be sure, because I remember mentioning right beforehand that he couldn't pronounce... Taika Waititi's name, but he knew who he was yeah. talking about.
2: We definitely talked about it before going on. Right.
0: Um, but good point on that one. We'll double check on that one to be sure. But either way, his round three accuracy, other than that, is super solid. Um, never mind, you're only doing the last five matches. now, we got to change your, it's all right. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, his singles matches speak for himself. He plays against Oyama on Oyama's run to the bell, Plays against Woody Seibold, TKO. Tko's Howard, who we just got them talking about. That's not a big. That's not something to be slept on either. Loses the pavement. Loses uh, against Merle by the time it's all said and done. So, just a quick recap. Now, let's um, let's hit. Let's go over the accuracy. So we're playing him in singles. Mm-hmm. Round one. If you get seven on average, you're you're ahead. You want to get that seven. You want to get that eight. I mean, you always want to get at least a perfect round in an ideal world. But
2: yeah. Yeah, the key to winning is get as many points as you can.
0: Right. Who knew that at the end of the day, the key to winning is just getting questions right guys. So no, but for real, I, I think round one is more, is the most important to be ahead because you want to have control of being able to have him spin first because round two, he, he has those going weaknesses that are going to show way more in round two than in any other round, Right.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, I think if you, if you pull ahead in round one and you're able to get that ahead and then you put him on round two, Round two, he has the most going weaknesses. He spins one wrong off, and his weaknesses are rough. Those are ones that we just have category and proof of for right now. You know, There's probably some more that I may be hiding, especially with all these new categories that added this season. There's a lot of stuff still left to study, so I'm curious to see how much more uh, some of these other weaknesses are really weighing in. Round three, um, he's pretty solid in round three overall, so I would say that you want to keep an eye out on that. But, yeah, I think you pull ahead in round two and you just win from there.
2: Yeah, you definitely need to pull your head around round two because you don't want to face Ben Meyer with with lead in round three. Because like against him, if he has to leave, that is what I mean. Because right. like, this is gonna knock him out of the park. Like his, I think the thing going in is you need his weakest round. I think is probably round two because mm-hmm. he has like glaring weaknesses, and you just gotta hope that you don't. He doesn't spend one of his strengths because if he does, then it's gonna be a really uphill battle.
0: Right. Just if you're tuning in and you really want to have that juicy info on that, if you're spinning, uh, Brendan Myers on the wheel and he gets a punch or something like that, look at these weakness categories right here, James Bond, which I, I, would,
2: I would probably not give him James Bond. Because like yeah, said, James he,
0: Bond, I'd put an asterisk next to because he has said before that he actually performs really well in James Bond, but that was just bad category or bad questions for him in his match. And Myers not one of these people who I think is going to sit here and mislead you. Like he's a pretty honest dude. I think if he says he's going at James Bond, I'd believe him.
2: I believe him. He's an honest man. Yeah.
0: He's an honest guy with that. Directors, Festival Darlings, Action Adventure Comedy. These four though, these four I feel confident on making sure that if you last him with those ones, he's gonna have a hard time. Um, even on his best days, he's only pulling 50-50 on those ones. So, round two, put him in a killer week or put him in the killer weakness, be ahead in round one, get him in one of these ones. Uh, opponent's choice, or if he just spins it and spins again and then lands on one of these, then you're solid. Um, if you're looking to study on uh, Brandon Meyer's weaknesses and not fight him for his strengths, fight him on the stuff that you know he's going to be losing, yeah. looking in those categories, I think if you're going to be knowledgeable in here, you're going to be left with a lot of room to steal. Um, he tends to go multiple choice, but that tends to be because that he just does not have that confidence to answer that category. I think if you're strong in these categories and he gets lassoed on it, you're pretty much guaranteed to win from there barring your performance in round two or round three but again if you're playing brendan Meyer, you're probably a top 10 competitor so you probably did pretty well in round one and you're probably going to do really well in round three um other than that any other last thoughts as we start to wrap up the breakdown for brendan Meyer, Matt?
2: yeah ferris says in the chat i believe you're winning by four points or more always been first to put the pressure on your opponent that's a good strategy but i i do think that it depends on your opponent and like how comfortable you, you are that you will uh, regain that lead because if you've seen with more strategic players, even if they have a big lead, they, they won't put the pressure on because they, they're they they're well aware that they still have their round two questions and they just want to see what's left on the board after their opponent takes one category off. So I think there's something to be said for deferring even if you're up by a lot of points. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Ferris, this is definitely uh, – I would say the way that we tend to break down round two is that there's two camps of players, right? Uh, if this is one of the first I'm checking in on the show, we tend to break it down two different ways. You're a momentum player or a strategy player. Momentum player kind of goes with your strategy in mind. You put the pressure on you if you're ahead in points. You just leap ahead in points, and you're just, you know, you have that, um, that not only that cushion for you, but that discouraging factor for your opponent. They see how many points they're behind, and that's already mentally messing with them. But not all competitors are are deterred by that. Some players, I think, tends to be a lot slower players and can sit there and say, okay, well, if I'm round two, I know that they've got this many points. That means I can't go multiple choice on this question, this question, or this question, or I'll be behind in round three. So some players, like if you're Ben Bateman, Andrew Guy, Sam Levine, a lot of these what I would call the strategy players tend to like to play second in round two because they know how much they can defer down to on points, how much they are able to lose while still being able to play and stay in the match. Um, So I think it's totally, there's no right or wrong answer to that. Um, Top 10 competitors can be a mix of both. Uh, We've known Kalinowski is a huge, momentum player. He loves being ahead, and that's just better for his zones, his life's sake and mine. Uh, If we look at bids on a couple other ones, I think they tend to be strategic players and play a little bit slower and rather see how much points they can get on um, in multiple choice.
2: Yeah, definitely. There's no right or wrong answer. It just depends on how you play and who you are.
0: Right. I don't know, Matt. Nat, if you're if you're a round two player, which 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 camp are you in? Are you momentum or are you uh, strategy?
2: Just like in Matt and I always defer, I always yeah. let them take their head, but then I come in and let them stay ahead because I'm not good at movie trivia. <laughs> yeah, neither am I.
0: So I'm there with you. I'm sitting here saying, okay, how many multiple choices can I get to not lose by TKO in round three?
2: That's the dream, right? Yeah, and that'll be really demoralizing to let you to uh, to actually go first. And then still not be in the lead, like that would crush me.
0: Yeah, I, I think it I'm I would have to be a strategy player because I feel like if I if I bet all in on myself and I get a poor category on around that and then I just lose my momentum and then not only lose it but then feel like I'm losing, or if they get enough steals where they're ahead before they even get to play their turn, I feel like I've lost already. Like Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So anyway, guys, that's our show today on A Live, Breaking Down, Brendan Meyer. If you're just tuning in and you're catching the tail end of this stuff, you can catch our talk on Stacey Howard's kayfabe and how, we thoughts, or how our thoughts are on the Ethan Irwin trade um, and all that recent fun gossip. Nat, as we round up this episode, buddy, where can they catch you at?
2: The people can find me on Twitter at NattyIce44, Facebook NatVoo. Uh, catch me on streaming on Twitch, uh, Twitch.tv slash NattyIce44. I'll probably be streaming sometime this week. Playing some prayer hunting grounds if anyone wants to hop in the chat and keep me company during those long wait times
0: uh-huh. nice 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 90 ice 44 make sure to go check that out especially on twitch guys go support it out where <laughs> everybody's getting into twitch now including snowdown so why not we're all in there uh-huh. um you can catch me at c-a-m-a-c-h octopus at twitter um i tweet sometimes and uh you can also catch me in Uh, and that's uh, Twitch, Twitch channel, go check it out. I'm not over there, I'm not always hosting, I'm never hosting, Uh, I might be in chat sometimes, you never know, I haven't followed, that's what counts. Go support our bros. Um, You can tune into this show here in another two weeks, so whenever that date is, the 28th? Ooh, sweet even number, 1428, you can catch us on the 28th of May, we're gonna be breaking down, who knows? Uh, Actually, I I think we do know, so we know it's not gonna be the one that we talked about before. So then that means all that's left is not only the partner of Brenda Meyer, that would be the beast. The beast. There we go. Man, that long cue. Ferris thing. Great show, guys. Thank you so much. much, That's our poster nation in this show. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, So we're going to break down BIMS and that crazy strategy, and that's going to be a nightmare for us because BIMS is really, really good. And uh, his stats are probably really, really good. So God bless Megs. Make sure to shout out Megan McCurley in the chat as well. And as always, our statistician on the show, making this thing go, what we get. What she gets two weeks' notice, I know we did it, guys. We finally called it out ahead of time. and We didn't give her two days to prepare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we only do it because we know that Megs is that confident. So make sure to go check out Megs McCurley at Megs Reclaimed on Twitter. Um, You can see her post the stats uh, about this stuff on the Facebook page, on on the Snowdown Facebook page, as well as Twitter. So make sure you're following her. Give her all the love in the world. She gives a lot of uh, the good smarts to these guys right here. We just package it up and deliver it.
2: Meg's is definitely a gangster. Mm -hmm.
0: OG, OG, triple OG, Meg's in the chat, everybody. That's our show. We'll see you here in a couple weeks. See you then, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Awkward.